morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. And you are with Lyle and... Mine, good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm so good. Quick, ask what I'm grateful for. Um... Yeah, no. <laughs> what else are you going to ask me at this hour? Well, you know, I thought we could talk about the weather. It's nice and sunny outside. I'm the one who talks about the weather, and I'll be talking about the weather later. But quick, ask me what uh, I'm grateful for. Well, you, you know, did you see the I fog guess on what the way everyone, Guess what I'm grateful for? <laughs> what are you grateful for, Mon? <laughs> I just come with the most amazing thing. So earlier this year, I bought a Kindle, right? You know what a Kindle is, yeah? A book. Yeah, an, like an electronic book, an e-reader. And like, and so far I haven't like really found it to be all that much more beneficial than reading a regular book. Cause like, I love the smell of regular books. And sure, like, it's lightweight and you can keep a whole library of books, like, in a very small It also goes flat. Yeah, exactly. In your, in your bag. My regular books never go flat. So I can stick it in my backpack and like, I barely even feel that it's there and it's like 50 million books on there. Anyway, Lyle, guess what I discovered yesterday? What? I can take my Kindle to the gym, prop it up on the treadmill, and run and read at the same time. Oh, you're kidding! It's so cool! It's so cool. Okay, so I here is an adva- I can't, I can't see this as an advantage to a Kindle because the pages do lay flat. Yeah, I, I've tried to I've tried to read at the gym before with a regular book, and it's just really horrible because like you have to hold the pages down, your fingers are getting sweaty. Like if you're holding it, it's going with your body motion, and so it's like swerving all over the place. You can't keep your eye on the words. I read for an hour straight yesterday, which is so rare, I think, for most adults these days to have a time to read, and I did it while I was running. I'm so happy about it. I'm so happy. Anyway, what are you grateful for? It's a good thing you weren't running down the road. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't have done it if I was running down the road because if I, if I was holding it, my arm was flapping up and down. I wouldn't be able to stay my eye on it. So because I can prop it on my, on my treadmill... You can't prop a whole book on the treadmill. So, yeah, I was really stoked. What are you grateful for? Okay, so I went to the uh, emergency the other day, as um, you all know, because I busted up my hand really badly. Yeah, you did. And I made the mistake of taking two things with me, my laptop and my phone, for entertainment, because you know how the emergency room is. And both of them had a fully charged battery. By the time I was finished in there, my laptop was on, I think, 3% and my phone was on 16%. Uh-huh. Uh, because that's just the nature of being an emergency. And I came away thinking, you know what? Next time I go to an emergency, I'm taking paper. But yes. I'm just thankful my battery's hung in there. Yeah, amen. Amen for that. <laughs> did I it's the one, it's the one that? disadvantage of a Kindle right there. Did I remind you of that, did I? Anyway, uh, we're going to have a great show today. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. my saviour bleed, did my sovereign die, would he devote that sacred head Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ? Grace unknown, and I'll be undone. 
You're listening to Anna Weather Up with At The Cross here on Faith FM. Mon, give us the first clue for our quiz. All right, all right, all right. Day. Here we go. Our quiz today is a what book am I? So this is our breakfast Bible quiz. Every day we have a breakfast Bible quiz and you can win a prize. You just got to tell me the correct answer. Give me a call. The number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text any of your guesses to 0491-064-669. Today is a what book of mine? It's obviously a book of the Bible, so not just any book on the planet. Uh, and it's a quote. The first clue is a quote from this book and it reads like this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. If you think you know what book that is from, you can give me a call and you can win a copy of Hero of Hacksaw Ridge, which is the gripping true story that inspired uh, the recent film uh, Hacksaw Ridge. It's the story of Desmond Doss, um, which is uh, a conscientious objector, was a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, just did incredible things um, and you can get this copy. It's a true story. You can win this copy if you tell me the right answer to that, that question. Lyle, do you know what it is? I know who the author is, but I don't know the book. Okay. So, if you can call me very quickly and tell me before Lyle figures it out, I will send you two prizes. <laughs> I will chuck in a Bible. Chuck in a beautiful KJV Bible uh, as well as the Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. That's our prize of today. Lyle, I'm going to tell you a really cool story coming out of no other place than McDonald's. A good story out of McDonald's. Yeah, who would have thought, right? Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, this is kind of the uh, the American embassy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just offending. Good thing you're not sitting next to American anymore. You're not sitting next to an Australian. <laughs> Your wife recently got her own Australian citizenship. Uh, Do you know where the world's smallest McDonald's is? Um, it's on the Birdsville track, halfway between... Uh, let me think, um, Lake Air and Birdsville. Incorrect. It's in Sweden. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the one, the one that's a lot on that track is very, very small. It consists of one sign. What? One sign? Yes, just the, the golden arches. That's it. There's, there's no actual restaurant. Well, it says coming soon underneath. <laughs> how long it I think it's going to be a long time before it arrives. <laughs> I how long that's been sitting there. <laughs> anyway, I went to... Yeah, old mate that runs the um, the servo there has been... You know, he's collected some oddities and, and set them up, and that one was probably oh, the most humorous okay. of them. <laughs> McDonald's coming soon. The, the company put there. That's hilarious. Good on him. Um, well, McDonald's, this is so cool. Instead of just using their billboards for marketing... Uh, they've decided to put their signs to good use by attaching tiny McDonald's restaurants to the back of roadside ads. I'm waiting for the pee to drop because you look so right. And, I'm go- and, they're, and they're, but they're not for people; they're B hotels. Right? Isn't that cool? So basically, they're drilling holes into their own billboards so the structures can provide shelter for honeybees. And have honeybees uh, taken a liking to Maccas? Loving it. <laughs> really? Yes, I thought it really, yeah, they're loving it. That's the, so that's the uh, McDonald's slogan I didn't even realise. Uh, yeah, so this is really cool. Um, so the Swedish a Swedish branch of McDonald's has been partnering with the outdoor advertising firm uh, JC Duco, which we're all familiar with. We've all seen that logo on the bottom of all our billboards. Uh, it's a worldwide brand. But they do two different ways. So they attach small little bee houses 
on the back of roadside um, billboards. I'll show you a little picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it does look like a bit of a birdhouse thing but yeah. made for bees. Yeah, but that's not all they do. So not only do they, they put honey in there to attract the bees? How do bees find these things? I don't know. How do bees find anything, Lyle? How do they find Well, they flowers? get into, they they get into that big hives? bundle. What do they call that big bundle when they all fly around and they go swarm? and... Swarm? A swarm. They form, form into a swarm and then they go and find a new spot. Isn't that how it happens? I don't. I don't. I have never had a chat with a bee about this. Maybe we can get a bee on the radio and have a little interview. We with need him uh, what is it? An apiarist uh, to oh, contact yes. us and um, tell us how this works. Here's another video where they show you another way that they're doing it. So you can actually see where they're drilling holes into the words McDonald's. Um, so it's not like too visually distracting when you see it on the billboard. You don't realize that the, the, the billboard's actually full of holes, and the bees actually take <coughs> shelter <clears throat> inside the holes. So with the with the they're calling them. McHives. <laughs> so with the McHives on the back, that's actually like a place for them to live. But with the holes in the front of the billboard, um, that's actually just for them like to shelter if there's like, you know, it's raining or it's storming or something, um, or they're just trying to find their way home. And this is really great because, you know, they've obviously taken an interest in the, in the, um, the bee epidemic that we're, that we're facing at the moment with the extinction of bees um, swirling around in the news. Uh, but yes, this is this is world's smallest McDonald's, McHives. Um, and guess what? Not only are they doing this, they're leading the way because other companies are like, yep, that's a fantastic idea. Let's all It is an amazing that. idea. The question that goes through my mind is that once these billboards get full of honey and there's honey dripping at the bottom of them, I'm just kind of wondering... That attract the bears? Well, well <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Bears be munching McHives. But, yeah, and, and tearing the billboards apart, which could be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. But won't it just sort of begin by staining the sign? So it just gets honey stain all over it and looks Look, unattractive I'm, I'm after sure a while? I'm sure they have a contingency plan. I'm sure they're like going to get apiarists to, to harvest the honey or something like that. Um, I, don't, I don't think they, it's just on a metal billboard, right? Like how stained is it going to get? Just wash it off. It's this is interesting. In it's just uh, in it's Sydney at the moment, water. they are putting in uh, native beehives into a couple of different locations where they have endangered species of plants. Oh yeah. And the idea, of course, is to you know bring these plants back from the edge of extinction by increasing the chances of pollination. Yep. To yep. bring in pollinators in. Well, one hundred percent, and this is a great idea. Like this is. This is, I think, this is fabulous. So, not only is Macbeth um, just leading the way, there's other billboard companies that are all saying, "Do you know what? My billboard too. You can use that one." And I think, I think they should double anything that's just steady around and just doing one thing. We should have a look and see what else it can do. And I think this is a fabulous idea. If you have a billboard in your yard, if you have a <laughs> cold arch in your yard because you collected it from somewhere, I have a think maybe you can attach some beehives to it. Alal, this is really cool. I can't wait to call my dad and tell him about this. But the EU has just approved groundbreaking new right to repair laws that requires yes. appliances yes. To be easier to fix. Yes. I knew you would love this. Yes, it, yes, yes. It's just so frustrating, isn't it? When you're not allowed to fix your own stuff. No, like, if you move this, your warranty will be void. It's so ridiculous. How many times have I done that? Button? I'm like, I'm, I, it makes me angry that even with my phone... I have an iPhone. And uh-huh. If you open the iPhone, Apple warrant uh, div- like devoids the warranty. Like it just makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, so yeah, the the European Union has just uh, passed this new legislation for products such as refrigerators, washing machines, dishwashers, and televisions. Um, so they want to do. They haven't done it for phones. Uh, not yet, but hopefully we'll get there soon. But this is great. Uh, you know, it's becoming this right to repair legislation is becoming uh, just increasingly popular 
as consumers across you know North America and, and Europe in particular have vocalized their frustration over their household items um, breaking down shortly after their warranties expire, which I think is disgraceful. It is. That, you know, the manufacturers were like, let's slap a two-year warranty on it and then let's only make it last two years. It's just, you know, that's not even and good to the... And it's just so horrific for the environment. It, absolutely. Absolutely. They need to go back to that era where everything lasted a lifetime. That would have been so much better for the planet if we'd never gone to disposable. And, and recently, you had a washing machine that you bought that was missing a part. Right, it was. I had a washing machine of the same model that had broken down, and so I decided to take that part out, mm-hmm. and it was seemed relatively easy to take out until I went to dig into it. That washing machine was built in such a way that, honestly, I removed that part over... It took me, like, an hour to get it out using a nine-inch grinder. Yeah, you know, it's just like seriously, you can't even you can't even repair anything these days. Yep. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it was extremely hard. And I gotta tell you, Lyle, you gave us that part. We still haven't managed to successfully attach it. That keeps falling it's off. It's so hard. It's so we've had we, we, Emery or son came over to help us and he tried, it fell out, we tried again, it keeps falling out. We've actually had to push down the metal prongs that hold the part up so it's not ruining our clothes anymore because it's just too difficult to do. And he's like, do you know what? It's so hard. You have to get like some sort of professional in. It's going to cost hundreds and hundreds yeah, yeah, and hundreds yeah. of dollars just to at- reattach a paddle in a washing machine barrel. And who's going to pay that kind of money? No one. People are going to chuck the machine out and buy a new one when that's it costs right. that one. And that's just that's just so bad for the environment. It's just terrible for landfill. The reason that the European Union has uh, has taken on board this legislation is exactly for that reason. They're trying to avoid thousands upon thousands of products simply being sent to landfill because they're just and think of the different. trades that have disappeared. You know, your 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 your, exactly. um, your, your white goods uh, mechanic, your, uh-huh. your fridge fridge and washing machine mechanic. Those are trades that no longer exist. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Um, so they're saying that you know the energy consumption. Um, uh, reduction that this will bring about is equivalent to over 46 million tons of CO2 uh, equivalent um, uh, in Denmark, example, uh, for example, alone. Uh, it's just, I'm so happy about this. I'm so happy. I can't wait for this to hit Australia. Um, it can't be that hard, for goodness sake. Just I know. copy and paste and pass it through <laughs> the government. Amen. Just, just wipe out Australian Union. Control C, control Australia. V, Sorry, done. European Union, done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, give us a call. Tell us what you think. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Maybe you're a pair person. Maybe you're sick of not being able to fix things yourself as well. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. I've tried to stand my ground. I've tried to understand. But I can't seem to find my faith again. Like water on the sand Or grasping at the wind I keep on falling short So please be my strength Please be my strength Cause I don't have any more
final breath I hope that I can say I fought the good fight of faith I pray your glory shine In this doubting heart of mine And all would know that you Welcome back, everybody. That was Gungor. You're listening to Faith FM, and mine is about to give you another clue for the quiz, so get ready to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. What have you got for us there, Mon? Let's see if we can keep Lyle stumped a little bit longer and have those double prizes up for grabs. What book am I? Book of the Bible. This is clue number two. This book focuses especially on the return of Christ. It is mentioned in the last few verses of the last chapter. Come on now, Lyle. That should give it away. That should give it away big time. Don't be looking around all confused. <laughs> you know this one. Anyway, moving on. Lyle moving doesn't on. know this one, everyone, so give me a call quick. I'll send you two prizes. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Um, two prizes, Hero of Hacksaw Ridge and a nice new Bible. It also doesn't help that I can't write anything down oh, at the moment. Oh, excuses, excuses. <laughs> if you knew the answer, nothing would stop you from writing it down and having a little gloaty gloat. <laughs> your, your arm isn't a sling, but I'm not accepting any sort of excuses here. All right, so moving on to news from around the place. Uh, the ACT just legalised the use of cannabis. And the next one that they're going to be looking at is MDMA. Oh, really? Yes. So what's your thoughts on this one, Mon? Now, MDMA, of course, is a whole lot less um, addictive than cannabis and has a lot less worse bad side effects. Mm -hmm. Should we be legalizing MDMA and controlling it rather than banning it? No, dude, like, I'm, I can't believe you just asked me this. <clears throat> so literally a few days ago, uh, a friend of mine, um, his cousin was at a party and took MDMA and she is a med student. In her last few years of medical school, she, it's the first time she ever taken it. She wasn't. She didn't even want to take it. It was offered to her, and she kept saying no. And so the guys who were offering it to her got her drunk first, and then gave it to her. And she's been in hospital ever since. And this is like the end of her career. Yep. Like, yep. How can you tell me that that's something that we should? Control well, here's the thing. Here's so. the thing. If you okay, all right. Let me let me play the devil's advocate here for a moment. Mm -hmm. If you legalize it and control it, the reason that she's in hospital is because of the dodgy ingredients in the drug. It's not actually because of the drug itself. And so if you legalize it and control it, then you can control what is actually in the drug. You can make sure that there's no paint thinners in there. There's no, you know, 
caffeine in there. There's this, no this, that, or this the other. This is a myth, though, Lyle. This is a myth people buy into that they think they can control drugs. It doesn't matter how, like, how, you know, if we, oh, we're going to legalize it and control it. You can't control bad people out there wanting to make money from selling dodgy drugs and using cheap and dangerous fillers. If you, if particularly, you, particularly once if it becomes legalized. If you declare it legal and declare it controlled, they're going to have a field day because people will be like, oh, MDMA, isn't that one of those I can't get arrested for now? it anymore, so now I can go and, and boom, this is just make gonna it as much as the problem. This, con- like this, this idea of c- using controlled drugs is an absolute myth that just destroys Okay, okay, what if they do this then? What if they, what if they legalise the drug? Let me continue to play the devil's advocate for a moment. What if they legalise it, produce it so cheaply that they undercut the black market so the black market goes out of business and you, know, you can just buy it for a couple of cents here and there and there's no more black market and then you can control the ingredients? I think that's a terrible idea. Can you imagine? It's like you wanted the whole country to be addicted to this drug, Lyle. It's, a, it's a, such a terrible oh, idea. I'm on your side. I'm just, yeah, I I'm know, just giving I know, you a hard time. Here. It's an addictive substance. You don't want to make okay, it Okay, so what, here, this, is the, this, this is the big issue. What it comes down to is a philosophy of life. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to the message that we are putting out to our community and particularly to our young people, and that is that – Mind-altering, re- uh, um, mind-altering recreational drugs in any circumstance are okay. It's okay just to take drugs, not for medicine, but just to have fun. And that is a message that is a terrible, terrible message because what these drugs are, cannabis and uh, ecstasy and so forth, these are gateway drugs. We know that they're gateway drugs. They open the door to much harder drugs and we should be going backwards on drugs, not forwards on drugs. 100%. We should be winding them back. 100%. You know, we look at, we've, we've been winding back nicotine for years now and what a disaster it was legalizing that in the first place. Exactly. Now we're in the position uh-huh. where we're going to need to wind back on e-cigarettes. We are starting to wind back on alcohol. That's going to be a process that's going to take us another 100 years to get it under control. Um, And then at some stage, we're going to have to start looking at caffeine as well. Mm -hmm. All of these are legalized recreational drugs. And the story you told is a prime example. It is a prime example as to why we should not be legalizing these drugs. Because here you've got somebody who used a gateway drug to take an illegal drug. Exactly. And if she hadn't used alcohol, then she would never have used ecstasy and she wouldn't be in hospital right now and her career wouldn't be over. Yeah, before it even began. Can you imagine being four years into medical school and then like in one split second, the whole thing gone? Just popped a pill, done, done. gone. There's your life gone. I mean, what, what an insanely terrible, terrible idea. And, so, and, and this is the problem that we have in society because we are lenient towards uh, nicotine, alcohol, etc., uh, particularly alcohol, which is a very, very mind-altering drug, because we're lenient towards this, yeah. it, it sends the message exactly. that there is an environment in which the use of a mind-altering recreational drug is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is no ever um, circumstance where that kind of thing is okay. Yeah, that's like, I was, was going to say that exactly. Because you were saying, you know, is it okay to invite people to this like, you know, state of mind? We're already doing that. We're already doing that with alcohol and. and I know, and the evidence is already there. It, and no you've also got the evidence. It's confusing for people. They're like, oh, you know, everyone's cool with us drinking alcohol and becoming, you know, belligerent. 
I was when I was the junior the other day. I saw this this uh, in piece uh, report on how Australians behave in Bali, and they're just flopping all over the street, drunk, and just it's so disgraceful. But if we're like, that's cool, that's okay, that's fun. You know, it's no wonder the people are confused about where is the line. If I can take alcohol, why can't I take MDMA? Why can't I take this? Why can't I take that? And as they have so often said, and rightfully said, they've done way stupider things on alcohol than they have on cannabis, so why not legalise cannabis? Right. Okay, so you legalise one stupid drug because it is less stupid than another stupid drug. You know, this is, this is not, this is, you know, and this is one of the reasons why. I mean, the government recognises that winding back alcohol is going to be a mammoth task, and because of that, nobody's ever really had the stomach to deal with it and to oh, do it. Give it to me. But this I'll is why, this is why um, they've never legalised cannabis and MDMA and these other drugs in the first place, because they know that if they go down that path, then they're going to end up where they are now mm-hmm. with alcohol, mm-hmm. and nobody wants that. Yeah, they're backpedal all that. You know, the so research is there, the science is there, mm-hmm. and if you really want to see the evidence of what happens when you wind back alcohol, go and check out, go and, 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 and research the, uh, the prohibition era in the United States, which, you know, what, during that prohibition era, it radically changed the United States. Crime it made rates it, were low. Crime rates, rates dropped. Up. It was incredible. Hospitalization rates crashed. Um, it was just a, you know, we've got, decades if not centuries of evidence to show what works and what does not work so let's stick with what works yeah 100% look if they don't if they're not willing to take it on board like I am I've said multiple times on this show that I'm ready to be the queen of Australia and this might be <laughs> the one thing that gets me there hit it here first I'm going to take on the whole alcohol problem hand it over <laughs> I'm going to change the Aussie culture we'll no longer be a country of drunkards <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, in other news from around the world, uh, Pope Francis has just uh, had an official meeting. He has actually just released the fact that he had an official meeting uh, with Father James Martin. Now, he has official meetings with lots of people. He only ever releases uh, the fact that he's had official meetings when he wants to, you know, obviously and send a message. Mm-hmm. Um, and Father James Martin has been attacked by conservative uh Catholics for reaching out to the LGBT community. Um, of course, you know this is uh, uh, practicing gays um, are not ac- accepted into full communion in the Catholic Church. But Francis wants to send the message out there that you know they are welcome to you know to to worship in his church and so forth. And so this is why he has had this meeting. Um, it was a private meeting, but it has now been officially announced that that meeting took place. And so that's really sending a message out there to conservative Catholics. And I think that, you know, in this situation, there has been a level of bigotry in the past, and we have not, as Christians, always practiced loving everybody. Mm. And we do need to be loving everybody. I guess one of the things that disappoints me about this is that he's uh, willing to make moves in one direction, Morally, but when it comes to you know celibacy for the priesthood and those and, and, and these kinds of issues, he's unwilling to address those, and so um, <clears throat> you know particularly on an issue where the Bible upholds marriage um, so highly and recommends it you know as a blessing for everybody, um, it's disappointing that he moved one way and not the other. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's uh, something else that is happening in the world. Lots of things happening in the news at the moment. This is uh, a song. <laughs> you can't read can't it from here. <laughs> We're at Raymond Terrace, in case you're wondering. Not in our usual studio. As the sun comes up, it's a new day dawn.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are this morning. Joining us on the phone this morning is the editor of Signs of the Times magazine, Kent Kingston, a regular, a monthly regular here on the show. Kent, welcome to Faith FM. Thanks very much, Lyle. It's great to be back on air and hollow Australia. Yeah, we are super keen to find out what is happening in the world of Signs Magazine uh, this mm-hmm. month. Um, always October. hearing amazing. How yeah. did we get to October? Good How did that happen? <laughs> Here we are. Christmas decades. Yeah, already. Uh, lo- lo- oh, it's nuts. Hey, Lyle. As I was um, sort of putting the finishing touches on on this magazine a, a little while back, and thought, mm, what do I, what do I need to write? For, for an editorial to sort of you know, introduce the magazine title together, I've realized that a number of the articles were actually um, all zooming in on one particular topic, and that is the topic of connection, uh, this, this sense of connection. You know, I guess we live in a world that's often very disconnected, and uh, I guess perhaps that's the context where you suddenly start to realize, wow, connection is so important, you know, whether it's connection with family, connection with workmates, connection with, with God, you know, connection with a church family, connection with your community, connection with with your, your spouse. Um, these connections are really, you know, what make us human. Uh, what's, what was that, that old poem I did back in uh, English in high school, No Man is an Island Entire of Itself. Um, yeah, so yeah, connection uh, appears to be where it's at in October. Oh wow, that's that's amazing! I remember, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this once before, but Dr. Dean Ornish, um, who is known for his research on heart disease, uh, mentions oh, yeah. that social connectedness is the greatest contributor to health that there is, above medicine, even above lifestyle medicine. Oh, I guess you can count it as lifestyle, medicine, but above all of those things, yeah. that's the that's the biggest uh, predictor for good health that there is. Wow, that's that that is that is incredible. Um, look, probably the most obvious sort of uh, expression of this connection theme is is an article um, that's written by Patrick O'Neill on New South Wales Central Coast. Um, he's you know had him and his wife had plenty of kids of their own, like biologically, but also like fostered I think about thirty kids on top of it. So yeah, he's definitely had a lot of experience with parenting, and he's he writes an article entitled Fatherhood and Connection. Um, and his particular focus there is uh, on dads who perhaps, uh, you know, after a marriage breakup, uh, are struggling to to maintain that connection with their kids. And he's really urging those dads, saying, hey, you need to do everything you can, obviously within the law, um, to you know, to keep connection with those kids. Like a, a, a child's identity, a child's self-esteem uh, are really tied up in uh, maintaining that relationship relationship with their dad uh, as well as, as their mum. And this is something that I think is incredibly challenging in today's world because typically we find after a marriage breakup, kids spending more time with their mother than they are with their father for probably a host of different reasons. And yeah. so, yeah, fatherhood is something that is, I, I, I see desperately lacking in our world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. 
and and sadly, I mean, the, the, with the sort of epidemic of workaholism that we have, sometimes even you know, dad can be in the home. You know, the marriage is intact, but nevertheless, you know, dad leaves for work. Um, you know, before the sun's up and before the kids are up, and uh, and gets back after the kids uh, are tucked away in bed. So you know, pretty much they see him um, in sort of exhausted mode on, on the weekend. Um, and you know, some people like to fill their weekends with all sorts of activities too. So, um, so even though dad is physically present in those circumstances, um, he can still be like quite em- emotionally absent or you know pretty much invisible, which is which is really sad. I think. Um, I mean, it's easy to get caught into that trap to think, well, I'm here providing for my family, um, but providing for your family obviously has to be more than than financial. It's a, a much more ho- holistic thing. And, and this will be an interesting experiment to do. It's been done before where they uh, sent recording ho- devices home with children and then researched how much meaningful, how much time they're spending meaningful conversation with their father. And I think the average yeah. in the United States was 86 seconds a day. Oh, far out. <laughs> That's just crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, look, um, we, we have been a, a little bit, little bit cheeky, a little bit saucy in, uh, in the October edition of, uh, of Signs of the Times, Lyle. I, I have to warn you, we are on the front, on the front cover, we, uh, we have a headline which is sweet, subtitled Pleasure, Sex and God. So, yeah, and there's a, a, a young lady, uh, about to, uh, to take a bite of a strawberry there, which sort of, uh, well, it very much feeds into what uh, the the author Ty Gibson writes. Um, he's, he says, you, you know that phenomenon where you're, you're eating strawberries, they're sweet, they're beautiful, they're juicy, um, then you decide to move on to, you know, Tim Tams or, you know, Snickers bar or, or whatever, some quite sweet um, chocolate confectionery. You have you have a few of them. In fact, you... you, well, know, maybe, you, you maybe you those. dip your strawberry in hot chocolate. Maybe you dip your strawberry in hot chocolate, whatever it is. But when you go back to the strawberry alone, the strawberry that before was incredibly sweet and juicy and, you know, beautiful, suddenly it's like, oh, it's bland. It's, it's even tart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you've, because you've, you've trained or, or skewed your two, your taste buds with this other super sweet sort of food. And, and Ty says, hey, this is, a, a, I guess, a warning in some ways or an indication that physiologically we can actually, um, you know, change our brains. We can change our physical senses in it, either in a good way or, or a bad way when it comes to pleasure. And so then he gets into, you know, relationships and sex and dating and all this sort of stuff and uses this sort of strawberries chocolate metaphor there to say there's something going on in our world. I mean, even, um, you know, secular um, magazines, you know, mainstream magazines are using phrases like, you know, the dating apocalypse because, um, you know, due to this whole sort of Tinder um, hookup culture that's, you know, that's going on, um, this very sort of amoral, you know, if it feels good, do it, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, uh, he says there's something deeper that is supposed to be a part of sexuality and relationships and pleasure that we're missing out on because our culture is going in this direction. So, yeah, Ty Gibson really, like, you know, sends a shot across the bows of, of our Western culture here when it comes to sexuality. And I'm, I'm really 
really glad that uh, we got to include this in or feature this really in uh, in the October Signs of the Times. And I think it's important that we have because I think so often Christians have been seen as being really prudish when it comes to talking about sex and uh, sensuality mm-hmm. and uh, relationships, yeah, this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and yet the Bible has a lot to say on this subject and a lot of really, really positive things to say as, as well as oh, some warnings. And, and one of the things that I find is that, you know, the warnings that are in there, they're in there for a reason. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, exactly. Ty says exactly what you're saying. Let me quote from his article. He says, God is pro-strawberries, pro-pleasure, pro-sex, pro-family, and pro-love. He invented sex in the first place. But to be pro-sex without being pro-love is not only damaging, it's to miss something crucial. And you know, he, he, yeah, he, look, I, I won't spoil it for, for the readers. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that article has just going, gone up online. You can check it out at uh, signsofthetimes.org.au. Um, but of course, you know, the, it's also in, in this month's magazine and, and subscribers will, will have that um, arriving pretty soon if it hasn't arrived already. Um, hey, we've also got Taylor Swift in signs. Uh, you have Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Swift, yeah. Uh, apparently Taylor Swift, um, she says her love language, you know how people talk about love languages, you know, the different ways we, we give, give and receive love. Yeah. Apparently what she loves doing is leaving cryptic clues for her fans, the, the Swifties they call them. I have to admit I'm totally not a Taylor Swift fan at all. <laughs> I could not hum one song of hers, not that much into country music, let alone, you know, really modern pop sort of country music, um, which I think is her genre. So I'm not even sure. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, yeah, she, she I, I can't, I can't yeah, help she you here, Kent. I can't help you. <laughs> I, think, I think we're both out of the demographic, mate. Let's, let's yep. face we're, back. We're growing old. Um, yeah, but yeah, she, she loves like dropping all these little cryptic clues uh, in um, you know Instagram posts and, uh, and you know little messages that she sends out to her fans and stuff, and they love it. They lap it up. They're like you know trying to read the tea leaves and figure out what, what's going on. And this was the process in the lead up to uh, to her recent uh, album release, Lover, and uh, what the uh, the author. Um, is talk, talking about this. She says, "Hey, if you love puzzles, if you like to follow this this sort of thing, let me direct you." She says to the most incredible puzzle of, of all time, one that stretches over over thousands of four thousand years, in fact. And those are the those cryptic clues and some more obvious clues that uh, that are littered through the Bible that point to a coming Messiah. Um, and that, you know, this has sort of been the the world's you know longest treasure hunt sort of thing um so yeah, she she uses that sort of uh, you know taylor swift and the messianic countdown she, she's entitled the article um, the author's kira lee josie um and yeah it's a, it's a really great way to um to introduce people to the reality that the bible is more than stories it's also uh, i guess a sort of an opportunity to to string cryptic clues together you know to to study the bible reading the bible is one thing yeah I, in fact i love doing that. i love reading the stories but you can also study it in the, in that sort of um you know Nic- nicholas cage treasure hunter sort of way you know to, to find all all these clues all, all the way through it um and and in this case you know the clues that led up to the the birth of of jesus that's that's amazing. You know me, Kent. I love prophecy. So um, this one's going to be right up my alley. I think I need to become a uh, what did you call it? A Swifty? 
a Swifty, yes. Uh, maybe, or, or, or maybe just, or maybe just a science subscriber, like. Yeah, maybe just a science subscriber. Um, absolutely. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Hey, look, and on on the theme of connections, still, we we have a great article there um, entitled "So Your Church Shopping," because obviously there are people out there who may not have a church family and maybe thinking about getting a bit more serious about their faith, want to know more uh, about knowing Jesus. You know, maybe they've been looking through these cryptic messianic clues or whatever, or want to know more about them. And and the author says, you know what, it's really easy to get caught up with the flash and dazzle of, of some churches these days, you know, where there's there's a, a lot of action and a lot of music and a, a lot of excitement. But he says, you know, that that's all well and good, but don't forget to look deeper. Um, you know, don't, don't forget to look at the, the teachings of that church, you know, are they in keeping with the Bible? Um, don't forget to look at the culture of that church, you know, is it, a, is it a church that has a culture of service to their community? Is it is it a church that encourages discussion and questions and, and exploration? Um, so I think that's really healthy mm, you know, to say, mm. hey, you know, we, we all need connection, we all need a community, a church is an incredible place to find that, um, but yeah, our, our author, um, Nigel Bing, in, in this case, just says, hey, look, here are some things to work, uh, to look for, here are some uh, boxes you might want to tick, um, you know, before you, you get, um, I guess, you know, overwhelmed and, um, and amazed by the, um, you know, by, by the bright lights and the, and the music or, or whatever. And of course, in our culture today, you know, there was a culture that's sort of like 50 years past where you went to your local mm. church, whereas now you go to, you know, most people, I think they drive on average past five different churches to go to church. And, uh, that's right. It's, it's a very consumerist attitude, isn't it? Yeah. It is, it's yeah. like, what, what can you do for me? Um, and, and yeah, he, he actually does look into that quite a lot in, in that article and, and says, well, you know, this, this is the reality of, of how church is today, of how life is today. And yes, we, obviously we need to go to church to, you know, get our needs met, as, as we often say. But he, he pushes us to go beyond that. You know, what about other needs? What about the needs in your community? How can uh, being a part of church help you to address those, for example? Fantastic. Some really good articles there. Have you got one more that you can highlight very quickly? Yeah, look, I guess the ultimate connection is really the, the connection with God. And uh, we, we have an article uh, entitled Son of God that um, explores in particular this story in the, the Gospel of John, in the New Testament there, in, in the fourth chapter of Jesus and this conversation he has with this woman in, in the, um, in the neighboring territory of Samaria, so the neighboring territory to, you know, Jerusalem and Judea. Um, those people didn't get along, the Jews and the uh, Samaritans didn't get along very well. But nevertheless, Jesus made this effort to connect with this woman, um, this incredible encounter where she begins to realize, you know, as the conversation proceeds that this guy is not just a strange Jew who like, is actually speaking to her when Jews and Samaritans didn't normally speak. Um, he's also a prophet. And then furthermore than that, you know, he's the Messiah. And then by the end of that encounter, the Samaritans are saying, this is the savior of the world, you know. Mm. And it's really interesting that, you know, Jesus reveals himself to this, like this lonely sort of outcast woman who's really, you know, seeking connection in, in all the wrong places, in all the wrong ways, um, you know, as Tiger. Gibson would say in his, you know, chocolate and, and sex article, um, she'd certainly, you know, gone down a, a lot of wrong roads that way and, and suffered a, a lot because of it. And Jesus is pointing her to, you know, to something better, something deeper, something more meaningful. And it seems it's just something that transformed not only her life, but even the life of her community as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a really, uh, really great story in the Bible there. And, and, and that article there will, you know, help you plumb the depths of that story and, and to start thinking, hey, you know, what, what does Jesus mean to me? Fantastic, Kent. How do we get our copy of Signs magazine? 
Look, uh, Lyle, the uh, the hub of all our activity is uh, our website, signsofthetimes.org.au. Uh, from that website, yes, you can subscribe. Uh, you can donate to some of the projects we have to like distribute signs, magazines to um, in all sorts of uh, locations. Uh, you can read the articles. Um, you can also listen to our podcast, which uh, plays on, on Faith FM. Uh, but if you miss a, a Faith FM episode, um, it's there at signsofthetimes.org.au. Um, social media links. Um, yeah, we'd love people to get on our Facebook and Twitter and, and interact with us, uh, particularly people, who are, I guess, who are exploring faith, who are, you know, perhaps not part of a church yet, who are in, in that church shopping phase or maybe not even quite there yet. Fantastic. Kent Kingston from Science Magazine, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Lyle. Um, that was Kent Kingston from Science Magazine, and we will be back with, uh, with Encounter with God straight after the uh, this song and the 8 o'clock news. You're listening to Faith FM. my shepherd I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside the still waters He restores my soul Yes, He restores my soul
Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Peter Watson, I'm sure like me at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? You can hear Peter Watts starting Saturday, October 19th. 7 p.m. Erinner Room at Erinner Fair. That is Saturday, October 19, 7 p.m. Erinner Room at Erinner Fair.
Peace, oh, stop, rest and breathe.